everyone and welcome back to Hey Look Listen. My name is Liam Sheehan, joined here again by my good pal, good old friend of mine, Kevin O'Carroll. Hi Kev. Liam, how are you doing mate? Good man, how are you? Good, good, good. Ironically Kev, the topic of conversation we've decided to go with this time is, mm-hmm. the, is the genre known as the walking sim. I don't know about you, I don't like walking in real life. I try to avoid it as much as possible, yeah. Yeah, I like lying down possibly covered in Pringles or, or biscuit dust and looking at my gaunt reflection in the loading screen of a fucking Japanese dating sim I'm playing or something. Yeah, personally, I like to fall asleep under the weight of a slowly melting Vianetta. <laughs> yes, it just goes to show, doesn't it, that, you know, games can really make you experience things that, you know, life doesn't often allow you to experience. That's true. That's what it is. It's sort of a... a you know, a fantasy fulfillment type thing. You want to be a soldier, you want to be a sorcerer, you want to go for a walk. Just want to be a real life fucking human sometimes, you know? That's good. That's, that's a good one. But I guess before we go on to um, <laughs> that main topic, um, yo, 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 what are yo. you playing? What are you playing at the moment? I am playing a little known game for the PS5. Have I mentioned on here actually that I have a PS5 yet? Oh, are you are you one of those fucking uh, oh, those fucking mindless consumers who was like, there aren't enough PS fives. I need, I have to go find one though. I have to fight to pay five hundred euro for thing. I don't have one, and I'm angry. <laughs> no, I just got one at launch. It was really straightforward. I just got Did one you? and I have it. I yeah, I don't remember that. That's annoying. <laughs> no, I feel like I brought it up. I feel like I mentioned it. <laughs> but I've been playing the um the PS five exclusive. Uh, I think it came out last year. Uh, Returnal. Oh, have you? Yes. Interesting. You've been wanting to play that for a while now. You've been putting it off. I've been, yeah, I've been putting off. I figured, I knew going in that it was sort of famously a difficult game. And I quite like difficult games. Not to be the guy who's like, oh, I play Dark Souls, you know, but I do play Dark Souls, so therefore I'm cool. Um, so I was putting off playing Returnal until I was like mentally prepared for what I knew was going to be quite a gauntlet. And oh, buddy, it's what a good one. It's a good one. Oh. It's a good one. It's really, really fucking solid. Um, it blends sort of 3D over-the-shoulder shooter mechanics with basically straight-up bullet hell in a way that is very, very immediate. Like, within a couple of minutes of playing, you're like, oh, I see what this is. Yeah, it looks and, very, very arcade when you actually look at it being played. Yeah, it is. It really is. It's very fast-paced. Um, it's more about in that sort of arcadey style, it's kind of getting into the flow of like what the what the patterns of the projectiles of the enemies are, and just sort of through repetition, doing it over and over again, getting good at it. Mm-hmm. And I am about halfway through. I think I'm on the third area, the third biome, and I've already on two separate occasions put the controller down and gone. I should probably uninstall this from the console and you never lo- play it again. You love and threatening, both times, and both times I've picked it up again and played it, and I love it. You love threatening to uninstall a game angrily. That's like your thing, isn't it? It's the only power I have over them. But it kind, yeah, it kind of portrays. Like, I, it kind of portrays you as like. There's some. Self, there's kind of a bit of self confidence about that, where I always blame myself. Mm. Like I could never uninstall the game because I'm like I should just you know, I don't deserve to play it. Maybe I should uninstall myself. You know. Oh, that's genuinely worrying. Are you okay? No, 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 not at all. I beat Elden Ring. <laughs> well then, see, you do have worth. And I did the Bloodborne, and I did, did Cuphead. Will I keep yeah. naming? Will I keep naming difficult games I played? I, I feel like compelled to confess now that I never finished Cuphead. You know, you couldn't beat the robot. Couldn't beat the robot, and I hate him so much. I still have nightmares. Robot is the, probably the second hardest boss in that game. 
That so, makes me feel worse. <laughs> but you know, there's DLC out. Actually, oh yeah, we need to get that. Actually, yeah, yeah. I've been keeping an eye on it. I'm going to pick it up eventually, but um, try to get like, through other bits first. But I'm not here. I'm not here to talk about games I haven't played <laughs> that I want to play. <laughs> yeah, Although what are you playing at the moment? But it's funny. Like I just talk about oh, something cool that's not like a Cuphead DLC, or you're talking about Return. I would love to play that. But I'm um, I just finished Danganronpa two. Hold <laughs> on. Goodbye, despair. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> so, if anyone doesn't know what Dang- Danganronpa is, it is. Uh, do you know what though? Uh, for what this for what this genre is, it's pretty popular. You know, it's, this yeah. is not like niche. This is well, it's not mainstream either. But it's one of the popular ones. It's a Japanese visual novel slash I don't know murder mystery game where a bunch of teenagers get trapped inside a school by an evil teddy bear, and the only way to get out is they have to murder someone. And also get away with it via a class trial that all the teenagers have to gather. And if the murderer cannot get uh, caught, he gets free and yada yada. And it is, uh, I played the first one about three years ago, I say. And I was like, that was kind of shit. But yeah. I really, but I really enjoyed it. And whatever, that's done now. But I was like, just two more of these games and a, and a couple of spinoffs. But I was like, no, that's it. That's, uh, you know, as much as I enjoyed that, it was a bit shit. And I don't think any sequels deserve my time. Yeah, but I uh, I recently finished um, the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, which I've been meaning to do for a while. The latest uh, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney game or whatever. And if you're taking what, oh, just an aside, if you're getting if you're taking that genre with all its faults, you know, as long as you know you're you're into a very talky game that's railroading you through its mysteries in and in, in one specific path that the designer wanted, the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles is literally the best version of that type of game you could ever play. I was a little bit bowled over by how much I loved it, Kev. Oh wow! Just this warmest, comfiest, genuinely well-written, genuinely funny game. I just, I loved it. Anyone who wants to play Ace Attorney, there's now a second viable place to start. You can get the very first game, or you can just jump right in with the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Just, just to do it. But after I finished it, I was in the mood for something similar, and I was like, you know what? When I bought Danganronpa back in 2019 or whatever, I got it as a bundle. I got all three of them. So I was like, I have them. Well, I played the second one. And now I've played the second one full, full through. Just uh, I just did it. I fucking blasted through it. I did it in like less than a week. And I will say, Kev, now that I've played two of them, I'm a genuine fan. Okay. <laughs> like, I kind of love this thing, but I will not change my mind. It's shit. Okay. I can I can respect that. Like, there's so much, like, the, some of the writing is shit. Like, some of the... the, the the logic of how you solve the uh, solve the, the mysteries and other shit like yeah ace attorney has its faults and where like i said the way that the, the designer has one clear way that they want you to solve this thing so sometimes you'd be sitting there going i know they used a knife can i can i ob- objection and say he stabbed him with the knife but the game's like no we'll get to that later <laughs> now we're talking about the door that was left ajar you know that kind of thing so yeah, it's not yeah. like it's not like return of the Oberdin, which feels like you know completely within you know you have you have power to do anything you want but Nangarampa takes that thing to the extreme where sometimes you're just like, I, I'm stuck in the, I'm not even solving a murder mystery here. I'm stuck in the brain of this mad Japanese designer. And I just like, and now I'm playing a mini game where main character Hajime has to like, hmm, how, do, how did he get it through that door? So it zooms inside his head and you're literally playing an SSX tricky mini game that's supposed, to, <laughs> that's supposed to be his thoughts. And I'm like, yeah. this is shit. <laughs> this is absolutely crap. And I wouldn't recommend it to anyone, yet I'm I'm <laughs> actually, actually genuinely a big fan. I, I like the second one much more than the first one, even. 
because there was a couple of just five murders in it, just five cases. And like, what I actually really like about this structurally, whatever you feel about the story, whatever you feel about the inherent Japanese-ness of it, what I like it, what I like about the structure is that you have 16 main characters and they're the main characters for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. And it's very good at genuinely not kind of um, signposting who's going to die next or who the murderer is. You have these characters that you might get to like, but you know, any second one of them become can become a corpse and you could be playing this game for 20 hours and you've known this character for 20 hours and now they're suddenly dead and then like even worse and someone who you like you don't like you're like i like all these characters who's the murderer that stuff is really good and the fourth and fifth cases i genuinely thought were super fun but the fourth one is this ridiculous thing where all the main characters get gassed and put into this place called a fun house where they have to live but, okay. since, they, yep. but since there's no windows in it and since they never saw it from the outside a lot of the murder, uh, eventually a murder happens in there. A lot of the murder mystery in that one involves their preconceived um, uh, notions of the geography of the funhouse. Yeah. And like how, how the murder took place is, is you kind of realizing, oh shit, this is not the, the layout that we thought it was. Great stuff. But then obviously you have to play the, the class trial, which has you shooting bullets at at uh, phrases that your 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 fellow classmates shout so you can reveal the truth. Like it... it you, I wish I could take that murder mystery and put it into a better game. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it definitely <laughs> does. Um, how does it stack up to the sort of the, the the other well-known series in that sort of niche of games, the the Zero Escape games? Uh, the Zero Escape is also like some a, a series that you'd have to meet halfway. You played it as well, yeah. right? Kip? Oh, absolutely. I love them, but I will agree. You have Same to meet developer, them actually. Three Same quarters developer. of the way. Yeah, uh, Spike Chunsoft, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, and. Um, you you have yeah i think uh, zero escape is much better to be honest yeah okay. I, I think that also has this kind of it's foibles and like i said you have to meet oh, half, sure. you have to meet zero escape halfway to enjoy it and that's exactly what i'll say about danganronpa except to danganronpa in order to meet it halfway you got to run down 12 country roads you got to climb a fucking mountain like the, the road to meeting that game halfway is is quite a hazardous but if you can do it like i'm a fan now i genuinely am and the fact that it's a bit shit is a part of it Okay, interesting. I have it installed on my Vita. Oh, I don't recommend and, it. And have done for... <laughs> Fair enough. Because I've had it on there for about a year now. Um, and I think I played the opening five minutes and went, nah. Well, so I'll, go, I'll, go, I'll go back to it and I will I will report back to you. I'll let you know. Uh, but I will say, aesthetically, with its music and its, and its like art style and its whole general vibe of being kind of violent but really cartoonish it is very unique it does have a, a unique kind of flavor all its own but um yeah i'm going to play the third one <laughs> but i am i've accepted that but literally um as we record this uh the new monkey island came out yesterday yes and i haven't played it yet uh i was away there after a day and i kept literally the only reason i'm not playing new monkey island right now is because we're recording this podcast you know i to be honest mate i assumed you were just going to be playing in the background just sort of multitasking <laughs> I was like, "Oh, you use the key on the door?" No, I don't. Know. No, I'm I'm looking forward to that. But I, oh, God help me, God bless my soul, I will fucking play Dankerama for three. I know I will. Let's see, I see what kind of craziness is ahead of me. But anyway, I definitely talked about, about that for too long. I apologize. Okay, just split this make the first half into the Dankerama episode. <laughs> Before we get on to the main thing we're talking about, Kev, I just have a little kind of uh, not a rant, but a little kind of thing I want to say. I was um actually involved. Did you watch the latest um? Oh, do you know what? You did watch it because we watched it together. The latest Nintendo um, Direct. Yes. Yeah. The Farming so, Direct. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly what I want to get at. There was a lot of games 
about five or six that seem to be the exact same game where it's like a fantasy adventure role-playing game but also farming and i'm a big fan of the old farming well i used to play harvest moon back when i was a kid you know back when you know that was like a, a very niche thing to do now it's like the popular thing to do but i think it kind of ties into what we're um what we're what we're talking about today because we're talking essentially like inherently story-driven games right yeah now and a, a walking sim that we're going to get to isn't exactly like <laughs> those rpg farming games but it really reminded me of um this idea that i think people these days maybe because the world is terrible maybe who knows people just want vibey games these days yeah for sure Donkey, um, the YouTuber, did a video kind of, you know, you know, poking fun at how the PlayStation um, state of play that was on the same night as that had all these like badass action games. It had God of War. It had like these this new Yakuza game where you're a samurai. Yeah, and yeah. It was kind of it was kind of poking fun like uh, look at the kind of badass action games PlayStation showed and look at all the farming things that that uh, Nintendo showed. And I do agree. I'm not really. Uh, I thought the amount of farming games look exactly the same was like really irritating. I was like another fucking farming game, you know. But this idea that a game is only like a game is like is only a proper game if it's a big action thing, if you know you're pressing buttons to do magical attacks, where I think the idea of just having a game that puts you in a place is a comfy game. My girlfriend literally follows a blog where this person like keeps her abreast of any comf quote unquote comfy games <laughs> that come out, you know. So I just think I always advocate for games being, you know, a medium that can do anything and uh, you know games that are just vibey and story driven is absolutely fine yeah absolutely i mean i think like the inherent appeal of video games as a medium is that it can be anything you know and why would you want to limit that to just bald man with an axe you know now that's well, it i'm going to i'm going to play bald man with an axe the day it releases but yeah and it'll probably there's room be better. for all this other stuff too and it'll probably be better than all the games we're talking about today. <laughs> but, but you know, I actually, but I, was, I put my back up a little bit as well when, like, um, with, the, with the notion that games have to have stories as well. You know, like um, PlayStation uh, with their first-party games have become very kind of like literally like very ballface saying we are uh, one of our main things is to create great stories. <laughs> and yeah, I do believe gaming is a fascinating medium to convey stories. I believe nine tenths of the episodes we've done on this podcast have been like talking about that. honestly at this point it's something we lean into often but that games have to have a good story to be a good game i completely disagree with as well you know there is the kind of primal elemental form of gaming where you know press buttons make cool thing happen can sometimes just be like the best as well you know yeah and i mean often games that are more hands-off with their narrative they leave space for you to fill in the blanks oh, yeah, for sure we have this sort of emergent storytelling going on where it's not about the story that the developer wrote and wants you to experience. It's about the story of, of what you are doing in the game at that moment, you know? And that can be equally meaningful. Yeah, I completely agree, which is kind of a, a good way to like sidestep into what we're talking about. We're talking about the walking sim, right? And yes. we've both decided a few games that we're going like, to cover. Just we were not, not so much like we did it with our... Um, what was that episode where we chose the games, Kev? The Indie Games Roundup or whatever was <laughs> the one, the Indie Games Roundup. I just completely blanked on out there. But like with that one, we specifically were like, don't tell me what games you want to talk about. Let's surprise each other. But this time we're just like, hey, I think I want to cover this. I want to cover this. But we're essentially covering um, a genre that's, well, I think probably came about in the last decade. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I was actually doing a little bit of research on that, trying to figure out what was the first one. 
I have, no, I have my idea of what the first one would be, but that could just be my preconception. Go on, take a guess. Gone Home? No, although mm. that would be one of the early ones for sure. But from what I can see, it looks to be uh, Dear Esther. Right, right. Which I must confess, I haven't played. So we can't cover Dear Esther? So we can't cover the, the, why, the, the progenitor of the genre. Why bring it up? It just, just, just lied. Right. People aren't gonna. People aren't gonna like research that now. <laughs> Buddy, this is this is a pre-recorded audio medium. We can edit this out if you need. No, 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 <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but I, I think I remember um, Gone Home. If if we have to skip the rest there, which we do, let's let's yeah. just begin with Gone Home. Are you good with that? Absolutely, yeah. What I remember specifically about Gone Home was that it had a lot of um, hype and praise heaped up, heaped upon it when it came out, and. Also, in equal measure, a lot of hate towards it, because yeah. I think I think a lot of people were perplexed about what this was, and when it didn't really fall into kind of um, a very easy label, uh, I think people got a little angry with it, and a little kind of pissed off with it. But like the term "walking sim," essentially began as kind of derogatory towards the genre, didn't it? It yeah. was essentially a kind of way to piss take, where like it's a game where you only walk around. Uh, which which games like Gone Home is, but it's become like you know all gaming genre convention naming is bad. We've covered that before, and it's just, it's just stuck. Like, yeah. uh, if it's meant to be kind of an insult, it doesn't matter anymore because you know it's just kind of what we call it now. Yeah, I suppose before we go into specific games, it's worth maybe narrowing down what it is, just in case mm. people haven't haven't played one before. They're kind of, I guess, they're a game where like the, the your primary mode of interaction with the game world is basically, as the name would suggest walking through it uh it's a game where sort of the the narrative the presentation the art style the music all kind of take center stage and there'd be usually little and sometimes no you know air quotes gameplay involved yeah and obviously there's no ironclad rules for this yeah uh, like like all things things evolve and sometimes you know it can be very dialogue heavy sometimes it can just be a lot of you know interacting with environments and like reading things you know in books and stuff like that there's no like like yeah, for sure. Some some have puzzles, some yeah. have maybe stealth elements, some might have like horror elements to them. Um, they're predominantly, I suppose, third person or three D first person games. Uh, though there are some interesting two D implementations as well yeah, that we sure. might get to later. There's ones uh, that like there's sort of like two D ones where I'd be playing it and I'm like maybe half an hour in, I'm like, this is a walking sim essentially. Yeah, yeah, you know, and not in a bad way. Not like I didn't throw it down and turn on Danganronpa two or anything. <laughs> you know, yeah. I actually was going to bed thinking about Danganronpa 2. I really got into it like, sorry. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, who killed this person? I was like, I'm just complimenting it again because I, I feel like I need to confuse people with what my actual opinion about this franchise is as much as possible yeah, you, because you, I'm embarrassed about it. <laughs> yeah, you, you categorically do not recommend that anyone should play it and yet it, it literally haunted your dreams. <laughs> that haunted. It was nice. It was comforting. It was yeah. fun. I, okay. I was like, oh shit, I'm enjoying this. Sorry. Let's talk about Gone Home. Well, just before that, actually, because that just made me think of something. Um, what? Well, Danganronpa made me think of when I was researching games for us to talk about today, yeah. I just had a thought. Can you think of any Japanese walking sims made by Japanese devs or sort of... Not off the top of my head, but like, would the walking sim and the visual novel be distant yeah. cousins to each other, you know? Yeah, that's what I was thinking, all right, is that maybe they're they're kind of two sides of the same medium really that in the west it kind of it manifests as the walking sim but in the in, in uh, you japan, know, japan it kind of manifests as the, the visual novel do you know it would even be a closer cousin to it kevin i actually made a, a piss take about it earlier on 
the dating sim. Yeah. Because at least with stuff like um, the kind of the visual novels that have made it biggest across the pond, the stuff like Ace Attorney, stuff like Danganronpa, and maybe Zero Escape, they all have a lot of gameplay elements, but a lot of the a lot of ones don't, you know? They yeah. really are visual novels. They are people, they are static images of characters on screen talking, and, and that's kind of what dating sims are. And um, they, I don't play dating sims, like, genuinely. I like mm-hmm. dating in other games. Like, I love, I love an old Persona. <laughs> you know? I'm not against being a 30-something-year-old man who's dating in a video game. I want that out there, but I don't play games that are primarily about that. But that kind of also falls into the same thing, where they are just vibey games. That's why people enjoy them. They enjoy yeah. the kind of domesticness of them, the kind of low stakes. And so do you think, is it because of that sort of vibey nature, is that maybe why so many people were so quick to label Death Stranding as a walking sim? When for me, it absolutely isn't, Like even though... yeah. Even though it's a game that's like really concerned with literally simulating how you walk. Yeah, no, see, yeah, that's that's right. It's like it, it, that's funny because it isn't a walking sim. Yet it's funny that the term walking sim was already stolen by another genre. Yeah, because Death Stranding is one of the few games I've played that is concerned about yeah walking. Yeah, <laughs> but not 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 in, in almost an exploratory way. Even that's not only what I'm talking about left foot, right foot. Yeah, like and, and balance and falling over little tufts of grass. The actual mechanics of movement, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But so no, in the kind of irritating gaming genre naming, it's not a walking sim, though. No. Yeah, yeah. But I was, I, I thought we'd get to this later, but it just since you brought it up, I have a, a massive, big budget game that I consider a walking sim, but I, I, I almost call it a walking sim in an insulting way. Oh, interesting. I feel like I had as much input in, it just, it happened to be 60 hours instead of 10 hours or five hours, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, whatever. Oh, oh man, I will 100% agree with that. <laughs> and I love that game. I'm a big fan of Red Dead Redemption yeah. 2. Maybe definitely bigger than you because we were talking about it. But I, <laughs> if you actually boil the gameplay down, and I'm not talking about you know that great kind of Rockstar game kind of thing, Grand Theft Auto thing of just doing what the fuck you want and fucking around it. If you're playing the story of that game, like the gunplay is very simplistic and a lot of the missions are you walking to markers on your map to do the thing, to make the story happen. It's uh, the The gameplay is really busy work between what you're really there for which is the characters and the writing and the x yeah. what i believe is an excellent story so i was like like i say sometimes like i play again like a 2d game and i was like half an hour in i'd be like this is a walking sim i think i was about 20 hours into red dead redemption 2 and i went this is a fucking billion dollar walking sim yeah what i'm playing here now you know it's a walking sim where you're on horseback and that's about it yeah that's about it and i like i you you got the bit of sass there but i I think Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption 2 is great. I love it. I love being in that game. I think it's fucking big old, <laughs> big old cowboy vibe vibe units. You know? Yeah, I know, I, you, I, know I, you, you. I know you guys had had an episode on it already and, and discussed it at, at length. Um, we did a Rockstar episode, indeed. Yeah, yeah we didn't uh, that was it. Dedicate, dedicate an episode yeah. to Red Dead Redemption. We could sometime. Yeah. We probably don't need to. <laughs> I, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could do an hour episode where you give me that kind of passive aggressive sass oh, that I'm feeling now. I just thought it was kind of an absolute waste of my time. Yeah, I know. And that's me and Grand Theft Auto V. We all have the Rockstar game that we just fucking hate to our core, I guess. Yeah, true. Anyway, Gone Home. <laughs> gone Home. Okay, here's why I think people didn't like Gone Home when it came out, or a massive vocal amount of people didn't like Gone Home when it came out. And I think it was um, some, down to the growing pains of a genre which essentially asks you to walk around and study environments. Because it was advertised as a horror game, I think. Yeah. Or it was 
definitely yeah advertised is the most is the best word i can come up with it, it was people are definitely led to believe that because so the premise is you're a girl coming home and your family aren't there you're you're in a big old house and you're wandering around and something has happened and the point of the game is for you to literally just explore the house explore rooms explore um uh read books or whatever read like letters just literally just noodle about and kind of absorb the story as you go and the whole thing has the kind of feeling like what kind of um tragedy or what insidious event happened here and the way the game was like like i said advertised or the way it was kind of um set up before it came out it did feel like it was going to be some kind of horror-esque twist to it yeah i think even within like the first half of the game there's like i, I haven't played it in a while but there is like there's a couple of like jump scares and Jesus, kind is there? Of, yeah, there is. I think when you're like in the uncle's area in the basement or something, something jumps out at you out of a wardrobe, yeah. and, and it's kind of the atmosphere and all that is kind of all ratcheted up to kind of give this horror game vibe to it. Which is a shame, I think, because it doesn't need it. But maybe it did when it came out like nine years ago. Yeah. See, I don't know if it is a shame because it's something that mm. I was going to talk about because I want to talk about uh, uh, Firewatch as well. Yes. Um, which I might do now too yeah, which is which is it, another yeah. game in the sort of similar vein of it was very much marketed as having a horror element or a mystery element or something to it and yeah. um, i can remember the basically the game sets up this sort of a couple of mysteries throughout the its runtime it's about this guy who um uh gets a job working as like a lookout in a fire tower in the like late 80s in a national park in the US and uh most of the gameplay consists of him communicating with his supervisor via walkie-talkie but like as you're exploring the tower and the surrounding areas it sets up these mysteries where like these girls go missing and then someone like ransacks your tower while you're out and then you repeatedly see like a shadowy figure watching you from the woods and then there's even like a like a like a lost-esque um, like hidden research camp thing That's where right, someone yeah. has been like listening in on your conversations with your supervisor and stuff. Yeah. And it sets up all these sorts of mysteries in this sort of horror tone. And then in the back half, just like pulls the rug out from all of them. It's like, no, nope, perfectly logical explanation for everything. This is yeah. actually just a game about human stories. I think, I think there's more of a kind of um, pointed attempt in Firewatch to make that a twist to make it kind of, we're, yeah, we're going to make you think you're playing Lost, <laughs> you know, the video game, yeah. or something similar. But like you said, exactly perfectly put, pulls the rug out from under you, and it's, it's just a human story. It's not really, the, the, the third act eventually reveals that, like, the things that you should be caring about is not really the kind of the mysteries or the twists. And I'm kind of half and half on whether, like, that's a good twist. For me, mm. I liked it. Because the the writing and the voice acting that game between the two lead characters is fantastic. You get you really get to know those characters, so I really liked it. Can't be kind of coming this um, using his kind of isolation out in the woods and the mysteries around him, but to eventually kind of funnel that through a kind of a, just kind of a personal story, you know. But I can imagine someone being a little bit um, pissed off about it as well. It's not something yeah. I would kind of argue against all that much. If someone was like, "Oh, that just kind of petered out," because the game presents itself as something for so long. I can understand it not really feeling like a twist when it just kind of turns into something else. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm in two minds about it myself as well, where I really liked it as it was implemented in the game. Because as you said, like the the writing and the voice acting were great. The characters were very well-rounded. It, it just, it worked as an interpersonal story between these two people and everything else was just kind of set dressing for a finish. I liked all that. But on the other hand, 
is there something kind of disingenuous about marketing it as a horror game? Whatever about having it mm. as a twist in the in the game itself, but like the marketing pushed the horror elements of Firewatch pretty hard. So at that point, are the developers selling you something that it isn't? Yeah, man. I would Firewatch. I don't really think so, really. Yeah. But I also, I, this could come from a kind of a personal thing that I want, where I think gaming as a medium, I, I, might, I might sound like an old man here now, gaming as a medium is ready to just tackle um, character drama as a genre without funneling it through other genres. We've had like 40 years of shooting lasers and guns and being samurai <laughs> and ninjas, and I want more, I want 40 more years of that, please. But I also think gaming is capable of telling just human stories in a small scale without having to be also gothic horror or this or whatever, or a big sprawling Western <laughs> in, my, in my case. <laughs> and, yeah. I, and that's that's why I think when I played Gone Home, to roll, to roll it back, when I played Gone Home all those years ago, I, I have a really good friend who doesn't really like it. Uh, I, I A lot of people online didn't really like it for those reasons. I thought when, when I started realizing that it was, wasn't going to be this horror thing, that it was just going to be this small scale uh, uh, story but like finding yeah. out what happened in this house this family i i found it fascinating kev because it was essentially like imagine like <laughs> this is not quite as exciting anymore because gaming keeps making like you know leaps and bounds and even in all the years like gone home uh since gone home came out gone home even feels a little bit antiquated in a way yeah but back then i felt like you know, like this is fascinating this is like taking a book like a little a novel and just like spreading it out and turning it into a 3d environment and you're learning the story you're learning the chapters you know the passages by poking around in the environment i think that's great that's super interesting to me yeah absolutely and um and it does bear stressing as well that the story that is told in gone home is great it's it's yeah. really really well written it um it kind of has a lovely ending as well. Yeah, and and that's another thing as well. That people made a big kind of deal about that, but that, uh, but that it kind of uses like it's kind of it's it's finale as a shocking twist. Does when, it? That's it. I but that there was a kind of a, a kind of um a conversation happening that it does, but it doesn't really. It's more just you follow a through line. Yeah, that reaches its its ending. What happened in this house? Where where is everyone? Where is your sister? Is which is the main point, right? Yeah. Where is your sister? And yeah, it doesn't reveal, like where she went, what her backstory is. Is like people say it was like a big twist, or at least I used to read things like yeah. that. It's not really, but it is just a story reaching its logical conclusion. And instead of closing a book, you just finish wandering around the house. Yeah. And I, was, um, I think that's great. I, I really do, and I think we need more. Uh, I, we have lots of them these days, which is the thing. This, uh, this genre evolved, but I just think. I'd like it not to be seen as a negative if something just decides to tell a very small scale character study that takes about well less than maybe two maybe maybe it takes two hours two hours to 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 complete yeah the only the only problem with that is you know it, it's interesting what you said about like I think firewatch is a bit different where it like I said like you said as well, it kind of treats its third act like a change as a twist, but yeah. I think in order for this to kind of genre to work you need to be honest about what the game is before players start spending money on it because gaming is expensive yeah. and obviously you need to find um appropriate price tags for this kind of experience but stuff like game pass could be the perfect um, place to get games like this into people's hands you know oh absolutely yeah yeah um and it kind of it comes back to something that we've we've touched on in previous episodes recently as well with the whole sort of not judging a game 
solely by its length, but at the yeah. same time recognizing that it is a product that people are spending their money on. Yeah. And there has to be some return on that investment, you know? It's a tough one. For sure. And it, it's, it's, it's a game that I um, have a lot of affection for, but it's, it's funny. It's a game that immediately for me is just of its time. Which is which is fine, but it's just kind of yeah that came out when it came out and it was revolutionary way when it came out. But I think the genre has been um, improved, that idea has been like, perfected more, and uh, what a, I think what a great um, a possible evolution of the ideas of Gone Home. And I'm not really pitting them against each other and saying this is a better game, but it takes a genre and maybe gamifies it more. It mm-hmm. has a very similar story, but kind of um, has more kind of. Um, classic almost maybe perhaps gaming elements to it but uh i always look at it as a kind of the next step after gone home it's uh, what remains of edith finch oh yes yeah that's i think that's probably my favorite of all the games we're going to talk right. about today gotcha i think it's it's absolutely excellent well you played it i remember back in the day you played it long before me and you were recommending it for ages before i finally got around to it yeah yeah I, and i don't know what caused me to pick it up because i wasn't really familiar with the developer beforehand Mm. Um, I've played some of their other stuff since, and it's all pretty good. They did the Unfinished Swan as well, which Can is that? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a great game. Uh, where did, you kind of did they do the Unfinished Swan first? Um, I can't remember what order they come out. They're both actually set in the same world. Interestingly, there's an overlap of characters. Wow. Um, yeah, but I, I can't remember which one was first. I played Unfinished Swan second, so mentally I've assumed that it came out after, but I don't <laughs> actually know. Now, now that I'm saying it out loud, it almost certainly came first. Yeah, but uh, Edith Finch is a really, really interesting take on this genre. And as you said, a, a, an evolution from Gone Home. Um, and the, the way it evolves most noticeably and most markedly is, as you said, incorporating more sort of gameplay elements while still never pulling focus away from the narrative. Oh, yeah, for sure. Exactly. And it's it's like just to keep comparing it to Gone Home, it's weirdly similar in its kind of structure where you are just someone who's visiting an old house, except what we'll say is like what remains of Edith Finch is much more, um, a little bit, not otherworldly, but definitely more stylized. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And obviously its premise is a little bit more less grounded in reality. Well, it's, it's still telling um, human story, multiple human stories in this case, but it involves a fa- the, the, the former family who lived in this house family who all believed that they were cursed right by bad luck and they're all like doomed to die in kind of unfortunate ways right yeah and the structure of the game is you wandering around this house and kind of yeah, essentially like let, let's noodle about let's find out what happened but each time you open up the bedroom of one of the former denizens of the house you kind of get transported into their backstory yeah and you become them and you essentially play their death, essentially. Yeah, but uh, a sort of, a sort of almost like a, a cartoon or stylized version of the death yeah. moment. Well, that's it. They don't, yeah, they don't do it just like okay, this. Is what happened? They use the changing style and the changing gameplay to come up with very, very creative ways to convey these kind of backstories, these tragic deaths. You know, it's really, really effective um, storytelling. I'm thinking particularly of. I don't want to get into too much details for spoilers because I, I do i do i think we i think we can spoil the one that needs to be talked about because it is standout game design and standout i, I, I you're talking about the fish the brother story yeah the fish thing, i know yeah. go on and spoil it because i think to talk about this game there's no perfect way to kind of demonstrate how good it is and kind of how it um 
challenges ways you can tell stories through gameplay. I think it's perfect. It, yeah, basically, it, it has this bit where you're playing through the story of the the brother, I think, and and I don't even remember most of the details. It's more just sort of the, the vibe of it. But it's, it, it, you, he's working in like a fish factory, and you're doing this sort of almost like a mini game of him like pulling the fish out and lopping the head off with yep. a knife and preparing it, and you're doing this sort of almost in the background as you're advancing through the story itself. So the sort of the the background monotony of the task that he's performing it becomes sort of a monotonous background task that you're performing. Yeah. So while he's sort of dreaming and daydreaming and thinking of other stuff, you're engaging with the narrative on a sort of a surface level while you're still Well yeah, he's literally he's literally daydreaming, but he's literally disassociating. He's literally imagining yeah. himself as some kind of uh, fantasy hero. And the left side of the screen slowly starts becoming a top down kind of RPG looking adventure game where you're wandering through fancy lands and castles and it's slowly creeps in and starts getting in the way of your your work you're chopping up the fish heads yeah. it's about a guy who's wielding a very sharp knife working a very kind of um, mundane but dangerous job who is losing his concentration who is like falling inside himself and it's conveyed perfectly through yeah, gameplay it's, it's so it needs, effective it's it so needs good. to be studied if you want to design games yeah. or even more difficult talk about games on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is truly excellent. Um, there's, I think a lot of the different vignettes in it are really effective at delivering their story. I don't want to go into details in some of the other ones. Yeah. But um, yeah, you become a bird at one point. You become a bird at one point. You become a cat at one point. Yeah. So it's like, just, but I'm just briefly saying that just to convey that they get very creative and yeah. each kind of section is very different which is kind of a clever way to kind of, if some people might find the kind of my description of gone home, like terribly tedious, you wander around the house and you like read the post <laughs> or something like that. Basically, it's, yeah. a, it's an extremely creative way to break up the monotony, the, 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 the potential monotony of a game like this, where it is constantly changing how it's playing. It's being played and it's kind of giving you new ideas and um, new tasks while still being a very low key character driven story that you're yeah, yeah it's kind, it, around the house you know yeah, it's kind of like the, the it takes two of walking sims <laughs> i like that it's like if, if you don't like what the what the game is currently give it like five minutes it'll be something oh, else exactly that's exactly it yeah yeah it's um truly excellent though like i i cannot recommend it highly enough it's frequently on sale or on offer i think it's on ps plus extra it might be on game pass as well i'm not sure like, if anyone listening has any interest in playing a walking sim and hasn't played this one, just do it. Like, stop this episode, go do it now. It's great. Just, just as a brief aside, as well, just as you said that, like, it's good to point out that uh, if you don't really play games all that much, um, walking sims are the perfect one. Absolutely, they're, yeah. They're the perfect one to get a bite sized piece of interactive storytelling while not really demanding too much um, from the gamer in terms of, you know, uh, Oh, I don't know, response time or, any, or anything. Button yeah. presses, you know, you don't have to do Hadouken. You don't, there's not a single Hadouken in any of these games. And more's the pity. <laughs> it reminds me in a way of another game that I wanted to talk about today that I'm not actually sure if you've played, which That's is okay. the, uh, the Vanishing of Ethan Carter. I have not, Kev. No, you have to, oh, okay. you have to take the reins now. I've talked about Danganronpa. No, that wasn't one of them. Sorry. I've talked <laughs> about Gone Gnome. You don't know. Yeah, Gone Gnome, I've heard of this. It's been on my list for ages. Yeah, so it's um, it's actually the game that kind of it brings to mind for me is sort of like 
a midpoint between Edith Finch and Return of the Obert Inn, except nowhere near as good as either of those two games, but still pretty good in its own right. Um, you play as this guy, Paul Prospero. He's a, a private investigator who's been sent to this sort of sleepy mountain town in rural Wisconsin to uh, investigate the disappearance of a kid named, unsurprisingly, Ethan Carter. Um, and basically, from the moment you arrive, you realize that, you know, it's not just Ethan has disappeared. It seems like there's no one here. And it's this kind of, it's like an open world thing where you explore the town and the sort of its surroundings. Um, and you kind of track down the spots where uh, Ethan's family have died. Each of them has like died in, in mysterious or unusual circumstances. I suppose, I suppose mysterious, unusual deaths are a good uh, spine to make these games, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And, and, and in a sort of Oberdin-esque thing, when you find the body, you can kind of uh, use your psychic powers to pull up a little vignette of how the person died. Um, okay, cool. And awesome. in this case, it appears as like a series of still images um, of them, like say, Say they like, I don't know, they fall and roll down a hill and then they hit their head on a rock at the bottom. Except the images will appear out of sequence and your task is to kind of find them and put them in the right order so you can place together the timeline of how so the there person is, died. So, so there is a kind of investigation solving aspect to this one, is there? There Real is, bit. there is, but it's pretty lightweight. It's, mm. um, it's not hugely taxing. Uh, the, the sort of the puzzle mechanics are good enough that they, in the same way that the the the, the bits in either Finch do, they break up what could be the monotony of exploring this world with these little little interspersed bits of gameplay. But they're nowhere near the level of like like an Oberdin. You're not going to be using your 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 you know your, your lateral thinking on this. It's more just like here's four pictures of the same person. Uh, put them in the right order, you know. Um, but it's it's still pretty good it um it it tells an absolutely batshit story it really, oh, really goes off the walls towards the end uh, <laughs> in a way in a way that i, I fully recommend oh right good good yeah, yeah no i and i don't even think it's good per se but kev i i hate to hate to beat a dead horse but don garampa i talked about it <laughs> So yeah. much. that's yeah, not really a qualifier for something's enjoyable yeah it's it's really enjoyable and actually doing a bit of research on the game because i haven't played it since i think around the time it came out maybe 2016 2017 Mm -hmm. um i did a bit of research on it today just to refresh my memory turns out there's like a a true ending that i never knew about okay and i read up what it is and i'm obviously not going to spoil it but fuck me does that game get even weirder it's even weirder than you thought oh yeah yeah it is insane Oh, well, I, I'm even more intrigued now because when I ever saw that game, because like I said, it's been on my radar for a long time. Sometimes it's hard to kind of, you know, like I'm recommending all these games and I, I love this genre, but you know, sometimes it's, it's hard to go like, ah, yeah, I'll get a walking sim, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? But like I said, it has been on my radar for ages, but I'm even more interested in playing it now because it always looked very um, self-serious and grounded. It. It is self-serious, kind of, in a way, but it's self-serious in a way that it can't be... It's so self-serious and so silly at the same time that it has to be deliberate. <laughs> yeah. You know, they have to be deliberately playing it serious to make the silliness seem sillier. That's very um, optimistic of you that they did that <laughs> no, in- no. intentional. Maybe I'm giving them too much credit, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's a, a thoroughly enjoyable one. Awesome. I'm going to um, conjure a memory for you, Gav. 
Okay, my eyes are closed. No, you don't have to do that. It's ridiculous. Oh. It's ridiculous. Come on now. No, no, no fun. No fun on this podcast. Please. Okay. So um, one of the um, interesting narratives of Halo Glisten is me liking to bring up that at one time I hurt my leg and mm-hmm. was in a cast and played games while I was in a cast. Yeah. Do you when remember you-, you and I playing a game over PlayStation Online, a, a massively single-player game? We played it together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Not a multiplayer experience. We were just like, oh, let's just no. play this together. We, we made it a multiplayer experience. It was great. Uh, yeah, yeah, oxen-free. Yeah. It's um, another game. I think the majority of the games that we're talking about today are ones where I'm going to go, I really like this game. I recommend it. And then a big old caveat. Yeah, I, I need you to kind of um, maybe like just go on about Oxenfree a little bit. And I'm here to help. Don't worry. But, but what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is, I remember a lot about the setup of Oxenfree. I loved um, the atmosphere of it. I really liked the characters. This is like a teenagers hanging out on a kind of, a, are they on an island? Yeah, they're they're going drinking or something. They're yeah, like, I think you, know, go- you play as like I think it's Alex is is the character's name, and you're kind of going as part of a group of teens to like go camping and or drinking on an island. Yeah, um, and Alex is kind of coming to terms with the death of her brother, and this is sort of a first bonding um, yeah. excursion with her new stepbrother. Mm. Um, so I mean, like that in and of itself is a fucking cool setup for a video game story. And that is my completely unwarranted problem with Oxenfree. And I can't even like say this as a kind of a, you know, in a critical way, just for me, my preference of that game is that I remember loving the setup for it. Mm-hmm. And then when the plot started happening, I, I, I almost completely checked out. <laughs> yeah. It's about ghosts, isn't it? It is. I don't want to say what kind of ghosts, because it would be a spoiler, but. It's interesting that Monkey Island is out though, isn't it? <laughs> say no more say no more <laughs> um yeah because like the the initial sort of setup and gameplay of it it's kind of it plays uh almost like a telltale game in that you're, you're going around having these sort of conversations and interactions with the other characters on the island and you have like three different dialogue choices and when you pick one you get like a you know uh joshua will remember that type pop-up thing that's right yeah um so like the that initial setup of that the kids you know dealing with their grief trying to build a relationship with their new stepbrother um hanging out with friends that sort of coming of age story type thing and then having that we have this like diverse cast of characters who uh, i mean i i don't know the studio behind it for anything else but like they it was their first uh, game it was their first game but they have really? done another one it was about the devil or something oh that was them as well was it yeah 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 yeah, yeah okay um, I know that one. I can't remember what it's called. Um, but yeah, like the, the writing in the game is really, really good. Mm-hmm. It's, like we've seen from things like Life is Strange that when, you know, <laughs> for, 40-year-old game developers try to write dialogue for teenagers, it can get very cringy very quickly. 40-year-old um, French men. French men in the case writing of Life is Strange. Six, writing 16-year-old American girls is... Yeah. One of the reasons why I think Life is Strange is actually quite good. It adds another layer to it because... The whole thing is quite embarrassing, but we're not talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like in contrast, the 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 writing in Oxenfree is genuinely quite good. It, yeah, it, you have the tropes. It rings true, you know. You have the tropes. You have the jokester guy. You got the crush guy. But you know, they these are real characters, and they feel real. Yeah, and um, and then obviously, as we mentioned, the sort of the the paranormal, supernatural stuff starts happening with um, Monkey Island ghosts, mm-hmm. and you 
basically you kind of there's some light pu- puzzle solving and stuff where you kind of interact with the radio and then when you tune the radio in it causes sort of like visual distortion on the screen and there's like there's time travel and time loops and i have no memory of time traveling like is there wow same i i maybe i should play it again <laughs> it seems like there's a big chunk of it i haven't remembered yeah um and there's there's all this sort of game mechanic stuff going on and all of it is fine like i didn't really remember it either um and then there's the the, the overarching supernatural plot stuff that's going on that is another game that it has a very silly plot that is played very straight but in this case they definitely didn't mean it well they're trying to, they're trying to kind of tie it in metaphorically to yeah. the emotional journey of our main character yeah, I I, th- I I think the plot reveals in that game are supposed to or intended to be like weighty and meaningful. Yeah, and they are at best a bit goofy. Yeah, that's kind of why I kind of sleptwalked through a lot of that game. Even no, don't it wasn't because of your company, Kev. Don't okay. worry about that. We I enjoyed playing it as a weird, probably a, the, the game that probably least warranted a multiplayer experience of all time. <laughs> but we didn't play it together. No, I just remember kind of going. The more plot I heaped onto it, the more I. I I kept thinking, I care less. It's yeah. actually it's actually some stuff, small stuff that I remember the most. Like, I remember the way you could interrupt, you could run away from characters while they were talking to you, or something, or interrupt them and do go do a thing, and then go back to them. And the developers had recorded a line where they'd be like, "Oh, there you are." What was I saying? Yeah. And then the dialogue would resume, and that's kind of par for the course these days. You see it in like Naughty Dog games a lot. Mm-hmm. In fact, you see it in almost. A lot of big budget games these days, like which is cool, because that what you didn't used to be a thing. It used to definitely just be you run off and you can hear the character spouting exposition. Yeah, it gets more silent as you run away. But I have to check around this corner to see if there's ammo. Mm-hmm. But I there was the first time I ever saw this was Oxen Tree, and I was incredibly impressed by it. I was like, well, that's effort. That is not essential, but now suddenly it is. Suddenly, that's like one of the most interesting things to me about this game that they did that. Yeah, um, worth <laughs> worth noting as well that this game is fucking gorgeous. Yeah, the art style is brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's um, it's like three D character models against yeah. sort of almost like painterly two D backdrop, and it looks absolutely stunning. Particularly when some of the the goofy supernatural shit starts happening, and he starts adding in this sort of these like as I said, visual distortions or like almost like a VHS type tape loss uh, generation loss tape effect. It just looks yeah. great. Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's getting a sequel. It is getting a sequel, that which is, is odd for the genre. Yeah, it, it's getting a sequel like seven years later. Are they um, going to be adults? I believe it is a separate cast. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't know the full details, but I believe it's a separate cast. I do know that it, it, it was announced to be coming this year, but I haven't heard anything about it in a while, so I don't know what the story is with that. Um, interestingly, it's also getting a TV show. What? It's going to multimedia. I never knew that. God, God, fair play to this little indie developer team. They're creating a fucking franchise here. Before the game even launched, they sold the IP to uh, Robert Kirkland. Uh, Walking Walking Dead? Dead. Yep. Oh, yeah, well, he's brilliant at writing characters. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) They're also human, and their dialogue is so interesting. He he bought the IP, or his production company did, with the intention of making a movie. Cool. Um, and that was announced when the game was launched back in 2016 or whatever it was. Um, and then that obviously went into development hell. But uh, last year, he came back out and said that it is going ahead, but as a TV show this time. I would watch that. 
But can I, in a very cynical manner, say that if you remove that from its interactive medium and you take away that painterly art style you were talking about, there's a very big chance that this thing will just look like Riverdale. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm fully prepared for this to be dreadful. (laughs) You sounded so nice when you were talking about it, and I was like, this is going to be absolute wank. Yeah, yeah, no, it it will likely be wank. Um, I mean, I'll I'll check it out. I watched the new Resident Evil TV show, so I'm going to give this a watch it fully? I didn't, haven't watched the last episode yet. That's ridiculous. Um, which tells you if I haven't bothered to even finish it in the last couple of weeks, that kind of tells okay, me a lot. It got cancelled. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. rightfully so. Um, Oxen Free is an excellent game, and I was a little bit harsh on it there. But it's interesting for me because there is a game that kind of does a lot of the things that Oxen Free does, mm-hmm. but entirely works for me in a way that Oxen Free didn't for some strange reason. And it's um, A Night in the Woods. Yeah, yeah, that is truly an excellent game that 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 along with edith finch are yeah the, the, the two big takeaways from this episode i think this is actually my favorite one of what we talked about oh so far. cool very good i well i think it doesn't just, just personally personally uh no i generally i think um this is like low-key some of the best writing i've ever seen in the game just some of the most naturalistic um dialogue writing and just uh some characters who i truly love and just um i don't know um it's very similar to Oxen Free in terms of like it's about a main character. It's about um, a twenty-year-old college dropout called May who's returning to her hometown, her sleepy kind of middle America hometown. But it's also about a dis- disappearance in the town, and there's there could be a cult involved, and there's like spooky mines and stuff like that. But I think it manages to balance the kind of uh, the the character stuff in this with the eventual supernaturalness of it, which uh, the whole thing helps by the fact that this is. Uh, you know, ostensibly a very human story, but everyone is portrayed as little little animal critters. Yeah, the main yeah. character is a cat. It uh, it definitely puts me in a similar headspace to like BoJack Horseman. Oh, definitely, yeah. Where it, it's it's telling like these incredibly human stories mm. that are, in BoJack's case, very depressing. In in the Woods case, still pretty depressing, <laughs> but they can yeah. kind of get away with the sort of the darker content of the storyline by sort of couching it in these sort of yeah. colourful terms with, you know, these animal protagonists while still yeah, telling yeah. a very, very human story. Yeah, I, I definitely, definitely agree with that. It's like, it's, it's funny that it looks like a CBB show. Yeah. <laughs> but it's about like, a lot, a lot of like adult themes. I do feel like it's, um you get a lot of like um, teenage games, you know. Uh, this is very much a game about your early 20s, I think. Yeah. yeah. About that kind of period just after school, you know. And it's, 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 like I said, just could be just a personal thing, but the story just completely worked for me. And like Oxenfree, I do, when I think of it, I do think of the character stuff more than the eventual, um, quote unquote, real plot with the there's evil miners or a cult. Yeah. <laughs> there's an evil cult. I don't mind spoiling it. But it's the small moments. This game takes its time to feel like, um, you know, a hangout game. Where it is just Faye, rudderless, directionless now, or May, excuse me. Did I call her Faye when I when I brought up the first time? No, you said May the first time. And now I now I just fucked up second time for no reason. Yeah. God. Anyway, just May feeling rudderless, uh, directionless in her life, back in her hometown. And the game conveys that. We're talking about walking sims here. This plays like a, almost like a 2D platformer from left to right. <laughs> but a lot of it is waking up in the morning and walking left through the town you know and talking to characters as you go and going to where the, the plot is directing you but it conveys the almost kind of repetitive repetitiveness of small town living very well 
and the repetitiveness of not having, not really knowing what you're doing in your life, you know? Yeah. The kind of like, it, I, I, I love the idea of like um, a walking sim being by design, just so simplistic yet that simplicity being the perfect means to convey what the story is trying to convey. And I think, um, and I in the woods kind of like nails that. And I just like the characters. I like the way they're all, they're clearly a group of dorks who do crimes <laughs> and they're kind of, yeah, they're kind of shit as they're probably goths when they're in school. Do you ever get that feeling from the one of them is still kind of a goth. Yeah. There's definitely uh, goth adjacent <laughs> vibes there. Yeah, but it's about it's about and at the end of the day, it's about our main character May, and she's just a, a brilliant protagonist. Like she's a really troubled girl who's like trying, trying to do better and trying. Like she has, um, she's uh, she's disassociated disassociated disassociative <laughs> episodes. <laughs> I'm keeping it in, um, <laughs> and she has assaulted someone when she was in school, and it's about her kind of having. It's another kind of way. It, it's brilliant to conveying a small town. She has. A reputation in this town because of something she did six years before the game and it feels choking it feels suffocating you know and it's kind of a part of why she's kind of you know you know she's kind of um a feckless layabout who kind of yeah loves doing shoplifting and petty crimes but you kind of you know as, as I, I i i say i can say this about nothing in real life and i when i meet real people but as and oh, and a thirty-something-year-old guy playing it. <laughs> no, I can, I can see what the video game character is really doing. <laughs> I can see, I can see that she's acting out and why she's acting out, and I can see that she's a girl in pain. And I just think she's a brilliantly written character, and it's the small moments that tells the story. It's and you can kind of sometimes you have to choose which of the kind of um, quartet of main characters you're going to hang out with, mm-hmm. so you can get kind of different. Um, you can miss sequences of this game if you decide to hang out with this character instead of this character. But there's stuff like just kind of, you know, just being shitheads and like uh, vandalizing in a mall. They go play band practice. But it's, it's in the vignettes of uh, of the story where, for me, it really shines. Like they go drinking in a fucking, um, in a, in a kind of an outside party in the kind of like a, a, in the woods. And she gets really drunk and, and there's an ex there and she makes an ass of herself. She goes to a nightclub yeah. and she like basically falls in love with this girl for a night and, and was again. I think I, I think <laughs> do you know what do you know what I love about Night in the Woods, Kevin? I'm not even joking. It brilliantly shows the kind of uh, singular, closed off story of a night out when your langer is drunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it conveys being drunk very well, even though these are cartoon characters. You don't get that a lot, especially you know non-Irish people. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I- a lot of video games will usually, I don't know, they'll put the camera at an angle and kind of blur the screen a bit, and that's what signifies <laughs> drunk, and that's not it. It's much more chaotic than that. So, yeah, exactly. But what I think what I'm saying is, like, I think I do, th- despite the story does go in a cool direction, and it does do the thing what I said Oxenfree does, where, like I said, the eventual supernatural stuff does mirror our main character's journey mm-hmm. very well. It's all, and it's it's very much about a small town that's on its last legs. It's, um, it was a big mining town, but the mines are closed, and it's kind of there's kind of a kind of a metaphor between that town slowly kind of dying and May kind of you know ah whatever. But for me, yeah, it's the vignettes, it's the fact that that game absolutely takes its time to tell a story in no rush unless you kind of play out these moments, and it's it, it's the moments of small town living. It's, 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 it's here's the wanky, most wanky thing I'll say: it's the moments that make life, Kev. Those are the moments that make our life. Yeah, I think you're right, and I do think it's. Um, truly an excellent game and my favorite top 10 written stories ever in the game i think it's fantastic oh, wow. 
it is definitely excellent. I don't know, was I just feeling particularly like rudderless or listless when I played it, but I did find it very effective at the time. Well, that's the thing. Uh, Me too, Kev. And maybe that's why. Maybe like it managed, I think it might have managed to kind of poke me a little bit in an uncomfortable mm. way, you know? Yeah, for sure. Mm. I suppose there's one game that I know you played recently, Liam, that I think is definitely in a similar vein to A Night in the Woods, and that's um, The Artful Escape. Yes, I played again on your recommendation, Kev. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that Stop is... recommending things, you silly. <laughs> yeah, I can't help it. I just have really good taste. Yeah, okay, whatever. I didn't see that coming. That was kind of annoying. Yeah. Noxious, I'd say, but whatever. It's done now. Anyway, great game. I really yeah. enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. I rarely do this anymore, Kev, but you know, after you recommended it, I hadn't heard of it. Never heard of it. Completely passed me by. So it's fun, not even just games or movies or books or anything. Just It's fun to like dive into something you literally don't know what it is. Yeah. And... I, started that, I started that game not knowing what the hell it was going to be, and I, I thought it was um, it went in a really fucking weird direction. I mean, that's absolutely the right way to do it. Yeah. Uh, it, um, yeah, it tells the story of... Um, I can't remember the character's name now. Yeah. Yep. Oh, the kid. Nope. <laughs> Laser brain, taser face. No, um, you can name him later on. You can give him a stage name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, basically your protagonist who's growing up in the shadow of his uncle, who was a, like a successful um, folk, folk singer, folk singer yeah, sort yeah. of a, a Dylan level talent who had died previously. And uh, your main character now is sort of trying to make his own mark. Um, in music, but is kind of feeling this weight of pressure and expectation to to be to live up to the sort of the standards that were set by his uncle, um, and he's preparing for his like his first gig, where he's going to unveil himself as a musical artist. And then, obviously, the the logical progression of the plot is that uh, Carol Weathers shows up and goes <laughs> on an intergalactic <laughs> space mission. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly it. It's about a, a young man who needs to find himself artistically and maybe in a deeper level than that. So on the night before he plays that concert, he's literally whisked away to space and goes on a kind of interdimensional, interplanetary adventure. With yeah. Carl Weathers. Because this game has proper celebrities in it. Yeah, the cast is incredible. The performances are really, really J- good. Jason Schwartzman is in it. Uh, Lena Headey's in it. The aforementioned Carl Weathers. And all the rest... I think there's more, but I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's excellent. It kind of plays out as this sort of platformer. I, I call it like a, a platformer, but there isn't really any challenge to the platform. It's more that no. you move through the levels, jumping from platform to platform. But the twist is that you're basically holding down a button to solo on your guitar at yeah. all times. And your guitar soloing is kind of causing the backgrounds in these levels to kind of come to life. It's like causing lights to light up or plants to unfurl and stuff. So you're just sort of moving through these areas, pretty leisurely platforming, listening to this insane music building up and seeing these, these visuals and things. And um, then it kind of culminates in what I was expecting to be sort of guitar hero sort of rhythm gameplay, but it isn't really, it's more sort of, it's like button button memory. It's, it's more like a yeah, memory pattern thing. Yeah, more like Simon Says that old game, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It, it's um, yeah. yeah, it's like a psychedelic bop it. <laughs> psychedelic bop it, yeah. Um, but yeah, it kind of it uses very simple gameplay, um, to tell a really just interesting story. And a simple story. 
a very that's not let's not be any kind of I'm not, that's not an insult or anything but i remember like a, a half an hour into this game i was like i know what this is i, I get this is it's going to be he's, he's going to find himself he's going to find his music he doesn't want to play folk music he wants to play weird space rock is that a, he's definitely rock kev but is there is, is there that genre where it's all about space and shit um, I mean, space rock is space a rock. term for it, or uh, prog or psych. Yeah, yeah, and but that's there's no problem with that. There's no problem with it being predictable if the story is told well, and it is. And it's obviously it felt like 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 every game is like that's not every game of this level is an indie game, but it did really feel like a labor of love. Yeah, kind oh, of, for sure. It, it felt like um, someone kind of turning their kind of childhood obsessions maybe their adolescent obsessions into like a video game you know someone who loves rock someone who loves aliens and shit and even all the dialogue because the, the, the dialogue options in this game and I, i've seen this in other games before i've seen it more and more recently where th- when you're choosing a dialogue option it doesn't change anything in the story it doesn't change what how the characters react to you it's more just another way for you to paint your own picture of what you want this, this person to be so you can make him say what what, what, whatever you want. So the things they begin to say, you can like pretty much make your own backstory. You know, basically creating your stage persona and creating yeah. like, who you are, who you yeah. are, and then eventually you get to dress them up in ridiculous outfits and and just kind of yeah, you just through about a five hour game or so, maybe a bit less. You just kind of cobble this guy together until he's like basically you know um, expressing himself as he should. And it's not like I don't know. Am I an asshole? I, I don't really feel much sympathy for people, you know, in this world we live in. Like, I just can't find my artistic voice. I mean, I always think like, you will. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not the most tragic pressing issue someone can have, you know, you know, all the death and despair. But it's still something that people go through. And I found sure. it, uh conveyed through the medium of video games pretty elegantly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that one again is on um, Game Pass or, or PS Plus Extra. Yeah, or whatever. I didn't pay anything for it. No, sorry, I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't mean it in a kind of bad way, as, like, as, as if I wouldn't have. No, but I do have PlayStation's questionable online service thing, and I yeah, I got it for free. And good yeah. shout, Kev. I've thoroughly enjoyed that one. It's um, Yeah, it's well worth a look if, if anyone is looking to kill a couple hours on something that's very, very colorful and sounds amazing and tells a simple, effective story. It's a good way to spend yeah. a day. And I, I think now we're going to end it there. But I think basically you're saying if we had to choose, you're going to either Finch, you think is the best game we talked about? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'd say either Finch safe in the knowledge that you're going to say A Night in the Woods. Yeah, I, I think either Finch is a more interesting bit of design, Kev. Honestly, I think it's probably the better game. But uh, uh, no, um, Night in the Woods is my favorite of the ones you mentioned. Yeah. And I'll probably agree with you that Night in the Woods is probably the better story. Yeah, exactly. Um, but but they're, they're both excellent. Thankfully, we live in a world where you don't really need to choose. <laughs> Kev, do you know what's really interesting? Me? No. <laughs> oh. I wasn't going to say you, unfortunately. How did you, why did you think I was going to say you? I, I don't know. I just felt like we were building up to it. Never mind. No. It's really interesting. Uh, is for almost the uh, um, uh, length of time I've been doing this podcast, and I'll admit I haven't done it much in 2022. I've been writing little pieces for our Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. And one of the series I do is literally called, what do I call it? Good Gaming Yarns, mm-hmm. where I literally want to recommend the types of games that we were talking about here today. The walking sims, the games that are more interested in being a story that might put the gameplay kind of, you know, as a, on the backburn. So it's more kind of passive experiences that can be very relaxing, especially if you've had a stressful day. And also, also good, a good way to, you know, experience some excellent stories from games. I just want to say that, you know, check out our Instagram. 
yeah, absolutely. Like if if what we've spoken about today is of interest to you guys, um, I would strongly recommend checking us out on Instagram or Twitter. I think it's at HLLpod in both cases. Uh, throw us an old follow. Uh, yeah, please, please follow. And you can you can read me, you can read my writing on these games, but I have to condense my thoughts into a single image instead of waffling on for an entire podcast. Yeah, yeah it's well worth a look. Absolutely. But thanks so much for joining us again, everyone. Uh, Kev, I really enjoyed this one. This was, this was fun. Yeah, it was good fun. Um, Duncan Rampa next time? Absolutely. The full trilogy, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll do the full trilogy. Yeah, you're right. There's no point going in half-cocked at this. Um, I'll do the full trilogy. Am I right in saying, is there a first-person shooter spin-off? I'm not playing it. <laughs> I think it's, it's called... A third per- it's a third-person shooter, yeah. Is, it, is, is that Ultra Despair Girls? It is Ultra Despair Girls. I am... Is that the worst video game name you've ever heard? <laughs> it's the top five, anyway. <laughs> I am not playing it, but I don't have much legs to stand on. Oh, I, I know. I, I'm going to really... I watched the cutscenes on YouTube. You're going to play it. I watched the cutscenes on YouTube. It's done already. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, this is set between one and two, but you know, you're supposed to play, play it after two. So I was like, before I start three, I'll watch. I did. The fuck am I doing? <laughs> Nobody. I think we need to wrap this up. Oh, thanks so much for joining us and Kev. It was, it was fun to chat again. Absolutely. Thanks so much guys. Take care. Bye. Till next Bye-bye. time. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>